1: Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone.
0: This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers.
1: Welcome to the New York City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. A Tuesday show for you. Jeff Parles of Visan will join us to talk about. What else? The Subway Series, it's tonight, game one tonight, game two tomorrow. So uh, we'll get Jeff's thoughts on the game tonight, the Mets in general, trade deadline. Uh, so should be fun. I'm looking forward to the game tonight. It is, maybe by the time you listen to this, somebody will merge as a favor. Right now, Bet Rivers, they can't make up their mind. Minus 110 each way. It is a toss-up, and the total is 8, and... I would actually lean towards the under here. The Mets have really struggled versus lefties. Montgomery's a very solid pitcher, underrated pitcher, to be honest. Really good. Not Cy Young caliber, but a guy maybe he'll make an all-star team in his career. Maybe he'll make a couple. It's tough to make the all-star team now with all these guys that throw 100 and these power arms. He's not that lights-out kind of guy, but he is a very solid you know, top, I don't know, 10-15 pitcher in the American League kind of guy. He's a really good pitcher, consistent pitcher. And the Mets, as we know, have struggled scoring runs. The Yankees... Uh, we know about their issues, at the bottom of the lineup with Gallo, and can't even include fillet for in that because he's actually hit lately. But would we'll look for a lower scoring game. I would go under the eight here, and uh, these games are just so much fun, regardless of the standings. I think the standings add a little juice. I'm old enough to remember the first Subway Series game, and it was 1997, and it was just so weird, so different. It we didn't have interleague play for a while uh, until look that that season that year. And the Yankees and Mets played for the first time in the regular season ever, and uh, it was Dave Malicki who was a really a journeyman, no-name pitcher, threw a shutout against one of those those great Yankee teams. Was, look, it's the late '90s. It's they didn't win it that year, but they were the defending champions, and boy, there's just so much juice in the building, so much buzz, and it's still there. It's still here. What, 25 years later? It's not the same because George Steinbrenner was part of it, and boy, he hated losing to the Mets. Everyone was always on edge. There was always tension. You know, if you were uh, sort of on the fringe of the roster and you didn't pitch well or didn't play well, uh, that could be your undoing as a Yankee. You'd either go, you know, get traded to the Royals or you'd get sent down to the minors. Uh, Nobody was comfortable. Joe Torre would always talk about this. Nobody was ever comfortable when they played the Mets. It was a big brother, little brother. The Yankees were expected to win. George had... I guess he was territorial. There was an insecurity where he didn't want to give up the headlines. He just didn't want to be second fiddle. He wanted to beat everybody. He was just so ultra competitive, but he hated the idea of ever losing to the Mets, so there was always a lot of pressure on the Yankees. But uh, you just think back, and these games are always fun. I remember, Like I said, the first one, I, I remember David Cohn saying it was one of the weirdest things of his career because Yankee Stadium is Yankee Stadium. It's Yankee fans. You don't get other fans, really. And they played the Mets, and it was half Mets fans. So there's always been that kind of uh, sort of civil war within the city, within the town. So... These games are a lot of fun. You know, go back to the 2000 World Series. Even that year, earlier in the season, they had the doubleheader where game one was at Yankee Stadium and then game two was at Shea Stadium at the time. I think there were some Clemens Piazza shenanigans then. I don't know if Piazza had a homer or Clemens threw at him, but yeah, that whole subplot. Obviously, the Subway Series. You know, there's been times where uh, Rivera got actually knocked around by the Mets. I know Wright had, I believe, a couple of walk off hits against Rivera in like 2010 and then again 2013 i think it was so look it's a lot of fun you can add the fact that showalter who i mean look my first memories of the yankee are showalter managing the yankees so the fact that he's on the other side of the dugout with both these teams in first place is just a lot of fun i'm looking forward to it. i think we will get a competitive game i think we get a low scoring game four three type of game so i will go under eight uh, the Mets, it's funny. They've just got a little karma. they got a little resilience. And you, know, you woke up Sunday. They were only a half game up on Atlanta after being up 10-and-a-half. And Atlanta was a big favorite against the god-awful Angels. And the Mets had to face Musgrove, who was a good pitcher, an all-star pitcher. It looked very conceivable the Mets were going to be in second place Sunday night. And it flipped. The Braves lost. The Mets won. And then the Mets get help again Monday night as the Braves blow a lead late. Bryson Stott has a big night for the Phillies, five RBIs, so that lead for the Mets is two full games, but three in the lost column. Remember the lost column, the most important thing because you cannot make up another team's losses. Uh, it just it gives you a sense of the control of the race when you're three losses behind. The Braves need the Mets to lose three times just to start just to start from scratch here. That's the you know the significance of the lost column where. You can talk about one and a half, two and a half, and it's two overall. The Mets have played a couple extra games here. Um, actually, the Braves have played a couple extra games here, but they've lost both of them. So when you need the other team to lose, it's out of your control. So the lost column was always the key. You can make up wins just by playing extra games. You can't make up another team's losses. So that's the key when you're looking at these races. Lost column and the Braves are three back in the lost column of the New York Mets. that's a little breathing room when you go from a half a game possibly the second place to, you know, 48 hours later. And here you got you got three in the loss column. And the Braves have an interesting game. Uh, Spencer Strider, the stud rookie, favorite rookie of the year, goes for Atlanta. But they are only minus 120 because they are seeing Aaron Nola for the Phillies, who's had a very underrated year, a very good year, total 7.5. I would actually look at the under in that game too. So, uh, look, if you can get this thing up to 4 or 5 in the loss, you'd feel great. I've said, you know, the past week or two, maybe even longer that, with how good Atlanta's playing, uh, this is just going to be a hard team to shake. We're looking at a series, a situation where you know, th- these teams are going to be within a few games of each other the whole time, but it doesn't have to be that way. If you get hot here for the Mets, the Braves, you know, who have played incredible baseball for the last two months, if they hit a little skid here just like the Mets had, the Mets had lost three in a row, if you can get the Braves to lose three, four in a row, and you win three a four in a row, look, you still got a lot of games head-to-head, but nothing says there, there's no rule saying you can't pull away here if you're the Mets, so... Not sure that'll happen, but uh, a great pennant race certainly uh, ahead of us, and this is just a, a lot of fun tonight. Again, I like the under. Mets really struggled uh, against left-handed pitching. Really struggled to hit uh, until Indore, uh, I'm sorry, until Alonzo came through with that big hit the other night. I and mean, they were just they were getting no hit for a while. They have really struggled to score runs, and I, I can, going back to that game Sunday night, second and third, nobody out. I don't know why he pitched to Alonzo. Uh, You know the Padres. I don't know why they did that. It made no sense why Melvin pitched to Alonzo. They hang a breaking ball. He hits it a mile. And now the Mets uh, look up and three-game lead in the loss column. As of now, minus 155 to win the division. So, uh, look, Mets in pretty good shape. They've had some resilience. They're resourceful. They're tough. I think Showalter brings a toughness to the team. So, uh, you know, looking forward to this game tonight. Should be a lot of fun. Wish we had two three-game sets. It's only two. So, it's two games now, and it's two games in the middle of August. I think they play August twenty first and twenty second. So, uh, if you can win this one tonight, you got a favorable pitching matchup tomorrow with Scherzer. And it looks like Herman. There's been some whispers that the Yankees could scratch Herman and go with J.P. Sears. Uh, I'm not sure definitively that Herman's pitching, but that's the tentative pitching matchup is Herman against Scherzer, which obviously would be a big edge. For the Mets, Mets would probably be minus a dollar seventy, maybe a dollar eighty tomorrow. You never make the Yankees too big of underdogs, and one eighty might be a stretch. So maybe Mets are like minus one seventy tomorrow, but that's a pretty significant pitching mismatch. And that, what I think, I'm trying to go back and look, just top of my head, I, I can't think of a time the Yankees been a bigger underdog this year. You know, maybe early in the year when the books weren't sort of aware of how good this Yankee team was. And, you know, usually if the Yankees aren't going to be big underdogs, usually anyway. But well maybe they faced a big pitcher early in the year. As we know, the pitcher determines, you know, a big part of this line. And it's not like they faced, uh, you know, a lights out pitcher. Maybe they did early in the year, Robbie Ray, something like that. I, well, Ray's for Seattle now, and I don't, I don't think they faced him. Just thinking top of my head, that was the end of last year when Ray was um, in contention for Cy Young, pitcher for Toronto. So, yeah, I think this would be the biggest underdog the Yankees have been tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow just because you know they haven't faced that big time pitcher they've been so good i can't think of any time they've been more than like a plus 110 plus 120 underdog because look the books are trying to balance the action if you make them plus 140 plus 150 you're gonna get a lot of people betting the yankees and you know the numbers wouldn't suggest they'd be that big of an underdog to anybody so uh but bottom line is mets are in good shape here if they can get this one today you feel like you can get it tomorrow and hopefully open up some breathing room here uh, if you're the Mets for the Yankees, we know it's just tinkering with the roster. Uh, we'll see what they do with the deadline. Getting a reliever, possibly getting a bat. Uh, Castillo, that's the question, you know, if you're the Yankees. Do you want a left-handed bat or do you want Castillo? Probably not going to get both. I think they'll absolutely get a reliever. They absolutely need a reliever. King was one of the best setup men in baseball. With him being down, that's a big hole, a big gap to fill. Uh, with the Yankees now, it's just, would you rather have Castillo or would you rather have a guy like Ben I think a lot of that is a question we can't answer because we don't know the severity of Severino. Severino's uh, is is shut down for a couple of weeks. They've been very coy, very, uh, you know, I shouldn't say they haven't, because they haven't lied about it. They just haven't given a lot of information here um, about Severino's injury. He's out with a lat injury. He had an MRI, and they just didn't disclose a lot of it. So uh, for the Mets, it's definitely another bat, a power guy. Brandon Drury, who's a former Met and a former Yankee, hit his 19th home run for the Reds. He's had an incredible year, great year, career season. Could somebody somebody like him come here and play third base for the Mets? Maybe J.D. Martinez if the Red Sox decide to sell. Uh, the Mets obviously are going to need a bat, and they're going to need a reliever. Everyone needs relievers this time of the year. But the Mets look to get that eighth inning squared away, as Diaz has just been incredible for the Mets. Uh I don't know if you still trust him in a big game in a playoff spot. We'll see that. We'll we'll see you know when it comes if Mets fans still trust Diaz. I don't know that they'll trust him until they see him do it in October. But uh, both teams are obviously going to look to make a move, probably a couple moves here before the deadline. Before we get to Jeff Parles, uh, the news yesterday: Durant and the Celtics could be, um, you know, a match. Not shocking. Honestly, as somebody who's rooting for him to stay with the Nets, Durant to stay with the Nets, this is the first deal where I'm like, eh, that actually makes some sense, and that kind of makes me nervous as somebody wants him to stay with the Nets, because Brown, I think, is the best young player that's even been rumored in any of these deals. Now, I'm not sure who said no. I think the deal was rumor, uh, was uh, Brown, White, and a first-rounder, and I guess the Nets said no. There's talk if the Celtics would even do that because they don't want to break up their team. They were close last year. You could go either way with that. To me, if I'm the Nets, I need way more than that. Not way more, but significant draft capital. Plus, I'm asking for smart, and I want Robert Williams probably. I have no interest in Derek White. He's a role player. He's a bench player. Derek White does nothing for me. No thank you. I want Robert Williams. That's probably a deal breaker for the Celtics. So, Still a long way to go. Windhorse said those talks happened, but they're not recent. They're not active. He was saying, you know, I don't know if he gave a time frame a week, 10 days ago, two weeks ago, that kind of thing where an offer was made, but nothing is imminent. Nothing is active. So that's one where if you're going to include Brown, a bunch of draft capital and either smart or Robert Williams, that could actually get done. But I still am of the belief that the Nets are just going to bring Durant back uh, to camp, run it back, figure out why he's upset, try to iron out. That's probably their best bet. And here's the other thing. If I'm the Nets, I already made one god-awful trade with the Celtics nine years ago. Wow, that's nine years ago already. Uh, yeah, that was, what, 2012? I think it was 2013 with the Pierce-Garnett trade, which was really just a fleece, and it took the Nets forever to recover from. I'm not going to get fleeced by him again and give you, turn around and give you Durant. I took all this time to recover, get back on my feet, Build a, a title contender. Now I'm going to turn around and I'm going to trade you Durant again. And I'm going to let you fleece me again. I know you got to do what's best for your franchise. But if I'm the Nets, I have a very hard time. Unless you absolutely blow me away here if you're the Celtics. I have a very hard time trading him to the Celtics again. Or, or dealing with the Celtics again. I know it's a new GM, new regime. But uh, I just I have a hard time doing that if I'm you know, the Nets. If I'm Brooklyn here. Because that was such a devastating, devastating trade you know, back almost a decade ago now, and it took you so long to recover. You know, you had to take on bad contracts. You had to do all this different stuff just to get back on your feet. And it was such a devastating move. And that was June of 2013. So nine years ago now, uh, it was right around the draft. I think it was the night of the draft that was announced. I'm pretty sure it was. It's taken so long to recover. You're going to turn around, you recovered, you rebuilt your hole again. You rebuilt your house after it was, you know, blown up to pieces and now you're going to turn around and, and, and trade Durant to Boston. That I think would be difficult, especially of the whole New York-Boston thing. They're in their division for whatever that's worth. So we'll see if it comes to fruition. I still think Durant will be a net, and I think you should bet accordingly. 18 to one for the Nets to win the title. I still think that's a good bet. Sort of missing the last of the best numbers here at Durant. You know, you, or, uh, Brooklyn was 30 to one, 35 to one, 28 to one. I was saying how those were great numbers. I don't know if it got as high as 40, 40 to 50 to one. I know there were some 50 to ones out there, but uh, 18 to one still good, but you better get on board fast and bet it uh, while you still can. But coming up next, Jeff Parles. We will talk a little Subway series, Mets deadline, Yankees deadline. We'll see what's on his mind, see if he's got any picks for tonight. That is next. This is the New York City cast presented by River Sportsbook back, New York City cast, Bet River Sportsbook, and he is back, VEASAN host, VEASAN producer, Mets fan. It is Jeff Parles. Jeff, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on. well always a
0: pleasure, man. It's, uh, it's a big day. It's a big day. It always... The Subway Series games always hit differently, and this one is going to hit differently than any other one before, because both teams are really good for once.
1: Before we get to the game tonight, uh, Sunday, the lead was trimmed to a half a game for the Mets, and... The Braves were playing the Angels. Braves were huge favorites. Mets were facing Musgrove. It looked like Sunday night, 11 o'clock Eastern time. The Braves could be in first place. Since then, it's gone the other way. Now, Mets have a three-game lead in the last column. Uh, is Sunday the most nervous you've been this season?
0: Yes, definitely. Definitely. Because once fr- – basically, I think thinking on Friday, because Otani was pitching for the Angels, and the Mets had Scherzer. I was thinking, okay – if you're good, let's get the results that we that we, we could get here. Get Otani to win uh, in Atlanta's with the Angels being as small of a dog as they're gonna be in this series. And the Mets shirts are pitch great and and the Mets can just you know, all you need against Darvish realistically would be two, three runs. You're probably gonna win that game. Uh, and the Mets offense looked horrible uh, on Friday. And O'Tani got lit up in that last inning he pitched. And that was the first moment, like, oh, this could be a bad weekend here because the Braves are probably gonna sweep now. Um, and then Mets offense didn't show up on Saturday either. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh no, you're facing Musgrove, who's their best pitcher. Uh, you have Carrasco, who's been wildly inconsistent over the last six weeks. Uh, you could be heading towards being out of first place for the first time this entire year. And look, uh, good. Thank, thanks to the Angels for actually winning the game in Atlanta. Thanks to Philly last night uh, winning. Winning winning a game that the Phillies had to come from behind. It, uh, Freed didn't have his great stuff, and the Phillies took advantage of it, uh, kind of like the Mets did when they uh, they beat him in Atlanta uh, before the All Star break. But hey, look, they they are they, that sixth inning might be the biggest inning in the entire season when this is all said and done, because uh, he fell behind one nothing after Carrasco it somehow got their five shutout. Smith, uh, who's really been struggling, gave up a run and then. Musgrove hung a hung 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 a breaking ball for Alonzo and Pete crushed it, and the Mets from there looked like themselves again offensively the rest of that game. And Will, I, I thought they busted out of this offensive slump. They had a big outing uh, before the road trip. They had that eight that eight spot in that series before the road trip. They had the eight spot in Wrigley on the Thursday night. You're thinking, all right, these will be the moments that the offense finally gets back to what they were before the at the beginning of the season, but. That hasn't happened, and uh, now it's a hell of a time where you face baseball's best team right now, record-wise, in the Yankees.
1: Any picks for tonight? Uh, total eight. About to pick them either way. Anything you like tonight? I kind of lean towards the under. We're, How about you?
0: We're, we're still Mo- Mo- Montgomery and Walker. That that hasn't changed as of this moment. Hey. Correct.
1: I haven't looked in the past few minutes, but that's the last I've seen. Why? Is there concern? I know tomorrow it was up in the air, whether it was Herman or Sears, but yeah, what? Yeah, a, yeah. And, is... and, the,
0: and the Mets aren't 100% on who they're throwing yet, either on Wednesday. But assuming we don't get any last-minute pitching changes, because, again, we're the second series after the All-Star break and get some weird stuff, uh, I, I actually am going to bet the Mets tonight. Uh, I just Some of it is is the fandom, some of it is principle, but some of it is that Taiwan Walker even though last year we saw the same thing. Walker was amazing early in the year and then just fell off the cliff. That first start in Pittsburgh, he got annihilated, and he never recovered after the All-Star break. Uh, but I, I think this is a little bit different for Taiwan. He's in a contract year. Uh, it, it, see, things are much more stable with this team than they were a year ago. Just having an adult in the room managing really makes a difference, and I think Walker's going to be up to the moment tonight. Uh, in, in a virtual pick game. I, I, I will take the Mets uh, tonight, and if you made me bet that total, I don't want to go over. <laughs> That's for sure, so I would only bet the
1: under will. Uh, what's your first Subway Series memory? Like, what's the first game you can remember? I'm old enough where I can remember the first one. I think I'm a little older than yes, you. And what's the, your, uh, what's the, the your first, favorite?
0: The first Subway Series game I went to was in Yankee Stadium in the regular season in 1999. And that was the game that Mike Piazza hit the grand slam off of Clements, And
1: that was, was the, 2000 or 99.
0: Or Excuse me. Uh, yes. 2000. Correct. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Right? Those will, will, I was 67 years old. So those years merged together other than uh, I was at game three of the 2000 series. The only game the Mets won in that series. They beat El Duque, uh, which was shocking in its own right. And, Armando Benitez didn't blow the save, which was also shocking. But yes, you are right, it was 2000 because that of course was the lead up to Clemens chucking the bat at Piazza uh, l- l- later in that World Series. But uh, yeah, that, that, that's the first one that I really, really full blown remember was I was at that game. It was Friday a Friday night the, game, right? The Friday night game Mets were wearing the all black um, and Piazza took took Clemens into the old black seats in, at Yankee Stadium at the old place. And the Mets won that night, and, uh, and there was a very again I was very young at this point I was under ten years old. There's this very intoxicated intoxicated guy sitting next to an older gentleman uh, talking to my dad and I the whole game, and and uh, they had the remark of, "Kid, you're going to be you're a tremendous baseball fan," and uh, it was uh, it was fun. It was fun. It was fun that uh, that, and it's funny too, Will, because a lot of I, I didn't because we gr- growing up in New Jersey. Uh, in, in Bergen County, getting to the Bronx was a lot easier than getting to Queens. So a lot of these first baseball memories for me were actually Yankee games because it was just easier for us to get to Yankee Stadium than Queens. And then, of course, uh, I, I have to confirm this after the podcast with my dad, but I'm fairly certain the final game, the first game I ever went to at Shea was game 162 of 1999. Where the Mets won on a walk-off wild pitch to wow. force Game One Sixty-Three against the Reds, and then lighter threw the complete game shutout to get him in the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, no the, the first the first Subway Series game I went to between the teams was at Yankee Stadium, and then of course uh, Game Three of the uh, of the two thousand series I was I was at that one and and uh, in sync, sang the national anthem that night.
1: Wow. So there you go. Wow. Uh, who do you want? Who do you think the Mets will get at the deadline? Who do you want to get? Who do you want the Mets to get?
0: Well, I think the obvious answer for for every team is I would like them to get Juan soto but I don't think that's going to happen um, but and, let me, and me jump
1: in what would you put the odds of a soto trait to anyone yes no make a line what would you say
0: uh, I would lean I, I, I I've, I've changed over, in, over the last week I think it is a virtual coin flip but just yeah. because the nationals organization is the nationals organization I would still make the no a favorite probably minus 125. On the no and plus one hundred and five on the yes, uh, but I would have been closer to five dollars on the yes uh, when that report just came out. But then you got Boris bickering with the organization over them not flying him to L. A. Like, I think things are going to things are going to move quickly potentially if the right offer is made. Um, I think the Mets are unlikely to be the team that ends up with Soto because if you're the Nats, how can you how can you do that to your fans? How can you trade? him within a division, like, like, how can you do that? You're not going to let the dude torture you for 20 years. Like that's what it's going to be if you trade him to the bats. Uh, and I think you're more likely to see him go to the Yankees or the Padres at this point. But, uh, I mean, the problem is, and I, I saw you retweet this this morning with, uh, with, with, with Co- with David Cohn on that pod yes. on, on, on the podcast. Like if we were dealing with George, if George was still alive,
1: be Juan third Soto tonight.
0: would be a, Soto would be a Yankee on August second, and maybe sooner. But because of the way that the, that the younger that the younger Steinbrenners have done it, they're just you have no confidence in them doing it. Like they should trade. Every team in baseball should be willing to trade, assuming they're willing to pay Soto five hundred million dollars over ten years, which every team in baseball can't afford. It. There's only a few teams that are willing to do it, though. You should be willing to trade your number one, your number three, and your number five prospect. And you should be willing to trade two guys that are already in the majors that can make an impact for Washington a little bit quicker. Like, if I'm the Yankees, it doesn't matter. You get Juan Soto, then you not only have Soto, you get off the hook if Judge leaves. Like, if Judge leaves because you got Soto, all right, fine. Guess what? I'd rather have Juan Soto for 10 years than Aaron Judge at this point. I don't even think it's for debate. So, look, at this point, Will, the Padres and the Yankees make the most sense to me. Because I have a hard time seeing Soto wanting to play the rest of his career in St. Louis, which, would be, which is the team that I think actually could do the best package altogether. But if you're Soto, wouldn't you want to play either in New York or Southern California at this point? So the Yankees and the, and the Padres are the two spots that I think are most likely. And if he goes to the Padres, that really throws a wrench into National League-related things and if he goes to the yankees then the yankees immediately become the, fa- the the favorite to win the world series and they should be favored over houston at that point if they get soda
1: yeah i still lean towards him not being traded similar to durant where it's so complicated he's worth so much that it's just it's hard to orchestrate a deal especially in season you know maybe for the nats you wait to the winter and find a deal where you know you bring more teams into the mix because they're not out of the race uh, we'll see. I think I got you sidetracked though. Your your Mets wish list is what? Would you like jewelry? The no, rumors I, yesterday.
0: That's a pretty good diatribe there, uh, Will, to go to Soto. <laughs> good.
1: Who, who might who
0: let's face it, if Soto gets traded, Soto's the best the best guy to get traded at the deadline ever, basically. Yeah. Uh if, if that happens. Uh with with the age in inclusion, you could argue honestly, last year sure your might 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 have that uh have that uh moniker right now. Uh so the Nats could go Back-to-back years with with doing that sort of thing, uh, like, like we talked about this a few weeks ago. They need bullpen help, Will. They really need to, to to build that bridge to Diaz out better. That's the big issue right now. They just are not, they just are not 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 ready uh, to realistically win a World Series with that bridge right now that they have the Diaz. They can win with Diaz. Diaz is the best Mets closer that they basically have ever had at this point in the regular season. Um, I know Benitez has had some years like this where he's virtually unhittable, but nothing like what Edwin Diaz is doing, where he's basically striking out two batters an inning right now. But relief help is the the biggest thing. I'm not sure exactly who to pinpoint there, but there's always guys that seemingly are available relief-wise. And hitter-wise, I would like Josh Bell. I, I think Josh Bell seems to be the best of the DH options that are out there. Nelson Cruz doesn't really excite me. Uh, but, but but Josh Bell would be a good piece. And then the other one, just going north on the Beltway. If they could somehow get Trey Mancini from Baltimore, that would be a humongous win as well. Because Mancini can play multiple positions. He could DH him. Uh, he's a great clubhouse guy. Um, and, and he's a right-handed bat that the Mets really do need an extra right-handed, consistent bat in that lineup. They just need a consistent bat, period. It doesn't matter if it's right, right or left. But a big right-handed bat like Mancini would really help things. Uh, for them. So Mancini and Bell are the two guys that I would pinpoint. Assuming Soto's not obtainable, those are the two guys that I would really like to see them get offensively. And they don't really need a starting pitcher. I mean, they're getting DeGrom no. back. They still have good starting down. I would not break the bank to go get at least Castillo. I wouldn't do that.
1: No, Mets don't need him. Um, the two names I thought of that you didn't mention, I was surprised you didn't mention Drury, uh, JD Martinez. And that leads me to my next question. And you can talk about those two guys if you want. Do you think the Red Sox will be sellers here?
0: Brandon Drury would be kind of funny because the Mets had Drury last year. Had a good Yankees year. had him it, too. Yeah, I mean, Drury had Drury had a reasonable year last year, but now all of a sudden, I mean, he has been phenomenal in Cincinnati and the fact that been the great. Reds are going to get something for him that is not just more than just a throwaway prospect is pretty amazing. Shady Martinez and the Red Sox are interesting because of the Red set, because again, you Bogarts is done after the year as well. So the Red Sox, if they don't think they can win, and I would be a hell of an admission if they do that because they're not far. They're still only three games out. The problem is for them, I think they already had their great stretch, Will, where they went from under 500 to the second wild card in the American League for a good chunk of June. And then they've completely collapsed these last few weeks. I would still lean no that they're not sellers, but if they have a bad week here, Will, and they're five, six out and under 500. And it sounds like Bogarts isn't going to come back next year. Like, someone would pay them a lot of money, a lot of prospects to get Xander Bogarts. So, it's not impossible. I still lean no, though. Martinez would be an interesting one for the Mets because that's a guy, like, Mancini excites me the most because Mancini's a guy who can you can put in the field and he's not a disaster.
1: Right.
0: You can't play J.D. Martinez on left field at City Field. You just can't do that. So you're basically eliminating giving off days to your core guys uh, by just utilizing the DH. So that's the one thing that's a little bit of a holdup with Martinez. It's the same holdup with Cruz that that I said before that I don't really like. Bell, at least, even though he's more predominantly a DH, you at least can give Alonzo a spell and DH him and play Bell at first base.
1: Yeah, and I think the Red Sox, I think exactly what you said, where it's day-to-day, it's week-to-week, they'll probably – Ride this out. If they lose three or four in a row, they'll probably look towards selling. If they win three or four in a row, they'll probably hold, maybe even add. It's that in between. Or if they sort of play 500, if they're where they are in a few weeks is where they are now, then it's a tricky call. It's like you said, Bogart's free agent. JD Martinez is a free agent. Next year, Devers and Evaldi are free agents. And I guess there's some whispers that this ownership group is kind of pinching its p- penny, saving its money to buy a Las Vegas NBA expansion team. Uh, I think LeBron's in on that. So. They're an interesting one. I think it kind of depends here on on how they play the next week or so.
0: Yeah, that last part is interesting, Will, because I, I, I it's that Vegas expansion team after LeBron went on his podcast and said what he said has really uh, gotten louder here because of obvious reasons. Uh, but look uh, again, the Reds the, the, that ownership that before they started buying other teams, Will, you would consider it would be a top five ownership in baseball. They've really fallen off just caring about the Red Sox in general. I mean, they obviously bought Liverpool. Uh, they could be in the running, like you said, for a Vegas expansion team in the NBA. Uh, they're just... It, it just has not been the same since they've started acquiring more assets.
1: Yeah. Two quick ones before we get you out of here, and uh, hopefully we can win some bets tonight. Maybe we can get in on the bidding for uh, for that team. Hmm. Um, who, who do you think the Braves will get? I can't really get a feel for them. Yeah. Because... You have Zoroka coming back in all likelihood at some point. We don't know. Where's that. he been? How long? I know he tore his ACL, then he tore it again, but it seems like it's been forever. The Achilles. The Achilles
0: will, not the yeah. ACL. It was the Achilles that went. It was, he had the Gilly Alexander injury. Um, but I, look, I, for them, I, losing Duval is a big deal. Yeah. Losing Duval is a big deal because that's a, a veteran guy. You plop in the lineup every day. And you know Adam Duvall is going to come up with a big hit probably once a week for you. And they, they kind of need a guy like that. I mean, remember last year, uh, if the Mets didn't freaking decide that to, to, to throw Jared Eikhoff in a game in that five-game series, you might have ended up with the Mets almost pushing Atlanta out of the race, and history's different.
1: Day. Yeah. Um,
0: but you, it, I don't know, like last year there were so many and there's always guys like peterson and Solaire and duval like they got last year at the trade deadline there'd probably be moves like that i don't see them doing anything big the one big advantage that atlanta has over really the rest of baseball at this point is their bullpen is awesome and they don't really need to go out and get bullpen pieces where basically everyone else in that nl race other than the dodgers realistically has to go out and get bullpen pieces so one thing that's usually pretty hard to get at the trade deadline is not an issue for Atlanta. So that, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I would imagine they'll do – that's a that's a very competent front office down there, obviously. So I, I would anticipate they'll make a collection of small moves that don't really move the needle. But then after you get them in the group like you did last year with the three big ones last year, the deadline with Soler, Peterson, and Duval they end up being critical pieces to your world series or playoffs.
1: Uh, last one before we get you out of here, uh, national league MVP goldschmidt, you know, so much has been talked about the AL MVP, the NL it's goldschmidt now minus minus one fifty at bet rivers. If you're looking to fade goldschmidt, whether it's, you know, think people hold the vaccine against him. You think he'll get, uh, you know, hurt a slump, anything. Remember last year, Tatis was a huge favorite and didn't end up winning it and didn't even finish second. Uh, Is there anyone Machado seven to one, Freeman seventy one, Riley's down to eleven to one. I I thought that was a good price the other day, like fifteen to one. It was way up there before that. You know, Alonso's twenty to one, Betts thirteen to one. If you're looking to fade uh, Goldschmidt MVP, who would you look to back?
0: So this is a conversation that I uh, that is, if I was in terrestrial radio right now, Will, I'm sure there would be people that that would be going after me for my for my for my opinion on this. If the Cardinals get swept in Toronto and tailspin, I don't care how good Goldschmidt's numbers are. You have to look long and hard at voting for him. If a Toronto sweep causes a big losing streak, and hurts the Cardinals in the end. Um, Because, again, not doing everything humanly possible to win every single game on the schedule by doing this. I understand. I understand. I understand that again. In the end, it is technically his choice, but the Cardinals are in, dead, are, are in a big time race with the Brewers, and you're telling me two games can't make the difference in that race? They absolutely can. So, I, if people hold that against him, especially if the Cardinals tailspin and miss the playoffs, I have no issue with that. Absolutely no issue with that. The problem is, Will, I don't know who the right a- the right answer to your question is because. Machado would be the one that I would gravitate towards because if the Padres get hot and somehow end up in the four slot instead of the five slot, it's going to be because either, A, Machado went back to the MVP uh, look that he had early in the year before the ankle injury in Colorado, or B, Nando comes off the IL, and Fernando Tatis plays at an MVP level for a little less than two months. And you're not going to give a guy an MVP for in less than two months. So you're, obviously Tatis can't be the answer here. Uh, Alonzo's probably out unless if he gets really hot and has a cesspitous-like run. Uh, The Dodgers are going to split votes with each other. So that kind of just leaves, by by the process of elimination, doesn't kind of just leave Austin Riley. But the problem with that is if Atlanta doesn't win the division, I don't think Riley—Riley is always a guy who seemingly does not get enough respect for how good the guy is. So I I, I guess that leaves me with Riley. But again, you're kind of running thin on options here. In this National League MVP
1: race. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Boy, it's, you know, Goldschmidt, obviously, he's the rightful favorite, but I just don't know about that price. I would certainly. Be it's looking... too steep, Well, Yeah, I agree. I agree. Jeff, appreciate it, man. Good luck tonight. DeGrand pitches, what? Grand pitches on, tomorrow, right? On, now. Oh, yeah, that's one on. last one. I know I said last one, but if he's, Here, here's what I don't understand. I should have yeah. talked about this in the open. If he's going to throw 70 pitches in a rehab game, why not just give him a Met uniform, put him out in the Mountain City field, have him throw seventy pitches for the Mets? That's what I don't understand.
0: Yeah, I, I'm a little bit surprised by that, but they've been so cautious this whole time. Oh man! And and look, I, I mean, if you, I think you, the Mets are kind of, with the way that the contract situation is, where we all assume he's going to opt out. And if he opts out, he very easily could leave as long as he doesn't go to Atlanta. I don't really. If he leaves, I'll be up. I'll be sad, but I won't be a, like angry if he goes anywhere but Atlanta or the Yankees, basically. Um, but, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. But I think he's just going to follow whatever he wants at this point because you realize, all right, well, <laughs> we we would love to have this guy back and not have, to, uh, not, not have to deal with facing him, even though, again, he's 35 years old with significant injury history at this point.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. A, a couple weeks before the season starts, you know what? He's going to be shut down for a month. And we knew that, hey, all-star break probably later. And here we are. I mean – Pretty soon it's August first, and look, I know he keeps saying he's right around the corner, but eventually you got, got to kind of put he's the got uniform pitch, on Will. and actually pitch. He got to pitch.
0: He's got to pitch, and and look, Will, this this Mets team is really good, uh, despite all the panic from from every Mets fan on Twitter over the weekend and the weeks leading up to this the Subway Series. This is a really good Mets team, but in order for the Mets to realistically have a chance to win the World Series, they need both. The Grom and Scherzer there for the playoffs. They need them both. And if they have them both, I'll take my chances against any team in baseball over any length of series because in a five-game series, I know I'm going to have the two of them for three starts at least. And in a seven-game series, I know I'm going to have those guys for at least four. I'll take my chances that those guys go undefeated in their starts in every single playoff series the Mets have.
1: Totally with you, Jeff. Appreciate you coming on. Let everyone know uh, where they can find you. What do you have to promote?
0: Yeah, I, I'm hosting a numbers game this week. Uh, again, Gil, uh, Gil, uh, Gil continues his vacation. So, uh, Will, you'll be with me on Thursday morning for a segment yet again. So that's 10 o'clock Eastern time on vison and vison.com And then uh, uh, some primetime action as well this week. That's 7 o'clock Eastern. So I've been doing double duty uh, these last two weeks and uh, getting my reps uh, – Uh, over on the old network
1: jeff appreciate it man we'll do it again soon thank you
0: thank you will
1: all right thank you for listening thank you to jeff Parles. we will be back tomorrow enjoy the game this is the new york city cast presented by bet river sportsbook bet river sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to 250 dollars when you sign up today in addition to their welcome bonus bet rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Must be 21 or older? Available in New York only. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY.